You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. If you'll notice here in Psalm 40 and 16, the writer starts off talking about those who seek God. A person that seeks is one that pursues God purposely and doggedly. I said it's a person that pursues God and the, per- and the person is going to have purpose. You have to have a reason why you're seeking God. And the person is going to be dogged. To be dogged is to be determined that you're going to do what needs to be done despite difficulties that you may run into. How many would consider yourself a seeker? You just, you seek with purpose. You have a reason why you seek. And you are dogged or determined in that you are going to obtain what you're pursuing. Am I talking about you? And of course, biblically, it reveals a number of things about uh, a seeker, especially a seeker in reference to God and things that pertain to God. First of all, in the book of uh, Matthew, the seventh chapter and the seventh verse, Jesus himself said, seek and you will find. Seek and you will find. If, if I'm seeking through God my healing, I'm going to find healing. Because Jesus said, seek and you will find connotes a promise. If I'm, if I'm seeking a way out of whatever I may be battling or going through, I'm going to find that way out. Because again, he said, seek and you shall find. And I love that in the eighth verse, he brought more clarity to seeking in that he said, for everyone that seeks is going to find. Let us know that that is not certain folks. All of us, if we are determined to pursue the things of God, we're going to find what he has ordained for us to possess. You believe that? And of course, seeking when it comes to the beloved needs to be a top priority because of scriptures like Matthew 6 and 33 that simply says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Jesus said, Things will be added unto you. And the things that he was talking about in the verse 
were things that are significant and essential when it comes to life. See, God cares about you. He, he knows that you need certain things. He knows that things, tangible stuff, is important to you. He knows that you need tangible things. And that's the reason, again, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. Uh, and shall connotes a promise. That means if we, we put the kingdom of God as our top priority, that means what, when we seek it, God going to make sure whatever needs we may have in our life are met. Y'all look like y'all ain't never read that verse. How many have ever read it? Let me, let's just go there real quick, though. Let's go there real quick. And just take a look. Called Psalm. Like I say, it's just that, that look on your face. As if to say, I ain't never read that. Is that really a scripture? Look at it. Matthew 6 and 33. But seek ye, seek first the kingdom of what? And his righteousness and all these things shall be what? And again, the things that will be added are essential and significant things. That's the reason don't stress yourself out about what you need. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples in the text. He was saying, look, just seek the kingdom first and everything else will be added unto you. You believe that? And finally, when it comes to seeking, um, God loves seekers. I said God loves seekers. God loves seekers to the point to where he rewards seekers. I said he loves seekers to the point to where he rewards seekers. Go with me to Hebrews 11. And let's look at, uh, at six verse. Hebrews 11 and uh, the sixth verse. You ready? But without faith, it is impossible to please who? Him. Him being God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him see when, when you diligently seek God by faith God gonna reward you when you pursue the things of God and, and you do so by faith God gonna reward you now let's consider what faith is look at look at uh, Hebrews 11 and 1 now faith is look at right we write in Hebrews so look at it now faith is the what of things the evidence of things not so God wants us to seek things that that we're hoping for and things we may not see and when you seek like that that's faith that's the reason 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says we walk by faith not by sight 
I'm going to tell you something. When you seek God and just trust him despite what you see, what you feel, as well as despite fear, he going to reward you. You have to understand that you, some things, um, you may never see until it's time to see it. You just have to have faith to know that if God promised you something, he going to bring it to pass. Are you going to be challenged? Yeah. Cause fear, sight, feelings, going to tell you, look, ain't nothing happening. Ain't nothing taking place. Well, it ain't supposed to take place with our natural eyes until God get ready for it to take place. That's the reason he called it walking by faith. And again, faith is what you don't see, but you're hoping for. And see, as long as we diligently seek God according to faith, he's going to reward us. I said as long as we seek God according to faith, He's going to reward us. But we can never get to the point to where we we allow fear to tell us, ain't nothing happening. You better do what you got to do. No, no. God told me to live by faith because I'm just and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep trusting him even though I don't see it. Don't think it's strange when you don't see it. You, you, you ain't supposed to see it until he's ready for you to see it. I said you're not supposed to see it until he's ready for you to see it. Don't start tripping and, and saying, I don't, I don't see nothing. I may, I may ought to look for an altar. No, you ain't supposed to see it until he's ready for you to see it. When he's ready for you to see it, he'll manifest. God said he was going to heal me and I ain't seen it. You ain't supposed to see it until he's ready to do it. Because he's going to do it on his and not your timetable. So you can never just just allow yourself to get trapped by what you see, what you feel, or fear. Because those three things are going to attack you. Going to try to make you stop living by faith. Again, help me say those three. Sight, feeling, and one more time. Those are the three main things that, that attack you. But, but faith is just doing what God told you to do and knowing he's going to do what he promised. It's impossible for him to lie. How many God have done some amazing things for you? So when it comes to faith, don't ever think, don't ever think just because you don't see it, it ain't, it ain't happening. Or it's not going to happen. Because that's part of faith. You, you don't see it. You don't see stuff. But you're trusting him. When God puts something in your spirit, you should start confessing it's yours right then. If God put in your spirit uh, that he's going to heal you, you should start confessing your healing and start walking in your healing by faith. Yeah. Well, it might get worse, and it probably will. But that don't, that does not mean he ain't going to do it. Right? We went through things to where 
our situation got worse before it got better. Right? That's just life. Amen? But again, notice what the psalmist said uh, in reference to seekers. What he wanted the seekers to do. He said, let all those who seek you, our God, rejoice and be glad in you. To rejoice or to be glad is to be happy. And contextually, when he tells the seekers that he wants them to be happy, it's, it's actually twofold. He wants them to start off by being pleased or satisfied with God for themselves. But then he, he wants them to turn around with their testimony or with something God has done for them and make somebody else happy. And see, that's what God wants from us. When God does something to make you happy, he wants you to turn around and make somebody else happy. And if you are sick of God, that's what you're going to do. You're going to get happy. And then you're going to turn around and you're going to make somebody else happy. But understand something. Biblically, when, when it comes to being happy, do you know uh, when God wants us to be happy more so than any other time? In trouble? In trouble. In trouble is when he wants you to be happy. When everything that can go wrong is happening, that's when he wants you to be happy. Now, are you obeying that though? Matter of fact, I need to show it to you first. Let's go to uh, let's go to two scriptures. Let's go to uh, James, the first chapter, first. Consider James, chapter one. And verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into what? So, so when should you be happy? In trials. In trials. Do that take something? Yes. Will you always feel like being happy when, when trouble happens? No. But should you be happy anyhow? Yeah. Why? Because God said it. And when you do it, it is an act of faith. Right? So the biggest time we should be happy is when everything that can go wrong is going wrong. You still, you still give God the praise. And what is it about being happy? What is it about joy that's so wonderful? The joy of the Lord is our what? It strengthens you. It helps you. When when you're happy, when you get happy in trial, God will strengthen you in the midst of that trial. Now let's go to 1 Peter 4. It's like a little Bible study this morning. First Peter, the fourth chapter. So just turn over. We in James, so just turn the page. And consider verse 12 is where we'll start. 
Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is the what? As though some strange thing happened to who? Ain't nothing strange going on. You're supposed to go through stuff. You're supposed to have trouble. I don't know why I'm... Because you're supposed to have trouble. But look what he says in, in verse 13. First two words, but what? Don't think it's strange when you go through trials. Do what? Don't think it's strange when you go through trials. Do what? Don't think it's strange when you go through trials. Do what? Be happy. Be happy. Wouldn't that be hypocritical? No, that's Bible. Folk may think it's hypocritical, but you know it's Bible. Folks may tell you, that don't make no sense. You happy and you going through all that. You tell them, look, I'm doing what the Bible tells me. I'm happy because that's what the Bible tells me to do when I go through trials and tribulations, to be happy. And when you do it as an act of faith. And if you are a Christian, you are a just person, you are to live by faith. Amen? Amen. So he wanted those that seek God to rejoice and be glad. That's what he wanted. And so we want to make sure that that we are happy and especially be happy when we're going through trials and tribulations. Because anybody, even a wayfaring fool, can be happy when everything is wonderful. You don't take nothing to be happy and everything is wonderful in your life. But it takes something to be happy when, when everything that can go wrong is taking place. But if you, but if you be happy during that time, God gonna bless you. He gonna bless you. Man, that sounds so strange, don't it? But see, that's reading the Bible tells us that God's ways are not as the ways of man. Even told us the difference. He said, as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are his thoughts and so are his ways. He, he just different. And see, when we take on the nature of God or the spirit of God, we are supposed to start being just like God. That's what we call Christian, Christ-like. So, so, so we start doing things that folks consider strange. Amen? But the primary thing I want you to consider this morning is found in the latter part of Psalm 40 and 16. Because he talks about those who love God's salvation see everybody don't love God's salvation everybody don't love God see see, in, in order to love God's salvation or whatever it is that he may give us you got to understand him see if, if you don't understand the ways of God you won't appreciate the things of God I said if you don't understand the ways of God you won't appreciate the things of God. See, see, God will let you go through a whole lot of trouble before he blesses you. Matter of fact, God will allow everything that can go wrong to take place before he finally blesses you. He may do that. 
You got to understand, that's just God's way. God may brag on you about, about how faithful you are to him and then turn around and allow a demon to attack you. Now, he's going to brag on Job to Satan in the first two chapters of, of Job. He got, he bragging on, he bragging on Job to Satan. Then he turn around and allow Satan to attack Job. That's just the ways of God. That, that's just him. But, but see, you got, you got to understand if, if God allows bad to happen in your life, it's going to always be for a purpose. You can't start tripping and start trying to pray your way out of it. Cause you, you just got to ask, ask him, Lord, is this you? You letting this happen? And if he, he is allowing it to happen, you just go through the bad knowing that purpose is in it. And God going to do what he promised in Romans 8 and 28. What did he promise? All things going to work out for our what? All things going to work out for our what? All things going to work out for our what? Say to your neighbor, I don't even know what you're going through this morning. But if you Christian and you trust in God, it's going to work out for you. I, I don't care if you done hit bottom. I mean, you on bottom. It's still going to work out for you. I don't care if your situation has has grown worse and worse and worse. Despite all the fasting, praying, and so forth you've been doing. It's still going to work out for you. You just have to stay focused and know that God, God, he just does things a certain way. It's just his ways. You know, you'd be like, man, why wouldn't he just do such and such? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't got to the point to where, uh, when certain things happen, I'll just look in scripture. I'll search the scripture and see what's going on. Yeah. Even when it came to Jesus, he, he allowed Jesus to suffer. You hear me? But look at what, what, uh, the Hebrew writer said about the suffering of Jesus. Say, even though he was a son, yet learn he obedience through the things that he suffered. Suffering always have a purpose. If you're going through something right now, ain't no need in having no, no crybaby party. Ain't no need in having no pity party. No, you're going through something for a purpose. There's a purpose in it. Don't, don't be having no pity party about it. Just, just, just get to seeking God and say, God, what, what, why am I going through this? That's it. Just, just ask him why you're going through it. It's a purpose why you're going through it. But again, everybody don't love God's salvation because they don't understand his ways. But see, when you love God's salvation, it means you're committed to living by faith until he manifests his salvation. Because, see, love equates commitment. And theologically, it equates you being committed to God. Jesus said it another way. Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. But if you're going to keep God's commandments, you got to be committed. 
Even because if you committed, you you know as a human you might mess up, but you're so committed when you do mess up, you gonna you gonna get that thing right and keep going. Why? Because if you love God, you're gonna be committed to Him. I said, if you love God, you're gonna be committed to Him. And when it comes uh, to God's salvation, I love God's salvation. I love his salvation because can't nobody save you like Jesus. I said, can't nobody save you like Jesus. Can't nobody save you like Jesus. Can't nobody bring you out of your mess like Jesus. Can't nobody turn things completely around like Jesus. Can't nobody move your problem and cause better to come from seven ways like Jesus. I love his salvation. But see, some folks don't love his salvation because they they will look to man before they look to God. And some of us in here, that's how we are. We'll look for somebody to do it before we look to God to do it. Because we don't like the way God do it. God take too long. Look, if God taking time to do it, that means it's a purpose, and, and, and notice, it's the right thing. It's the right thing. If he needed to do it in a hurry, it would be the right thing. But if he taking his time doing it, it's a reason he taking his time. How many are understanding that? But don't ever, don't ever get to the point to where you don't love his salvation. Because when you start putting stuff before trusting God to deliver you, it says that you don't love his salvation. I say it says that you don't love his salvation. You done prayed and, and believe in God gonna direct you in reference to some money. But then in your mind, I need this money by Saturday. So, it, so I'm gonna give God the Saturday. And if God ain't, ain't, ain't did nothing by Saturday, I gotta do what I gotta do. You don't love God's salvation. Because when you love God's salvation, you, you know, you'll be like, God, however you want to do this, I'm just going to trust you and wait on you. And if you tell me to go to so-and-so, if you tell me to just stay right here, whatever you tell me, that's what I'm going to do. That says that you're committed. And when you're committed like that, you love God's salvation. You love his salvation. Are you listening? And so, when it comes to God's salvation, biblically, it basically represents three things. And and most of us know the three things. Number one, it represents deliverance. It represents deliverance. God will rescue you. I said, God will rescue you. He'll pull you out. And see, when, when, when it comes to, to deliverance, it literally means to shake loose. God will shake you loose from stuff. Something can, something can have a hold on you, but God will get to shaking until that thing loose you. It lets you go. You hear me? I said he will get the shaking until it lets you go. 
But it means deliverance. That means that means he's gonna bring you out of it. He's gonna rescue you. Yes, he will rescue you. Again, it ain't gonna be on your time, but he'll rescue you. Number two, it means his his protection. And and see, God is a refuge. Matter of fact, Proverbs 14 and 26 says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge or protection. See, God going to make sure his, his children are protected. I said, God going to make sure his children are protected. Even when you think that you're, you're not being protected. Yes, you are. I said, yes, you Oh, well, if God was protecting me, how come things just got worse? Because he allowed it. But they ain't going to get no worse than he want them to get. That means he's protecting you. You're going to go through trials. Don't try to eliminate trouble. You're going to go through trouble. You're going to go through hard times. But God protects his children. Help me quote Proverbs 14 and 26 one more time. In the fear of the is strong and his children shall have what? Shout at somebody. God will protect you from seen and unseen danger. Say that to one more person. God will protect you. Say that to another person. God will protect you. Yes, he will. But don't ever think just because he allowed enemies to attack you that he's not protecting you. Well, he's protecting you because he could let them kill you. Affliction is a good thing. That reading the psalm and saying it was good that I was afflicted. It was good that I was afflicted. Why? That I might learn your statutes. That I might learn how to carry out your word. God so uses affliction to where the psalmist said in Psalm 34 and 19, Many are the affliction, get this, of the righteous. Just folk, folk who call on the name of Jesus. Folk who testify about having uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many are the afflictions of the right. But then he said, but I'll deliver the righteous. Out of how many of them? Every one of them. Every one of them. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to let the affliction come. But I'm going to protect you in that I'm not going to allow it to consume you. I'm not going to allow it to take you out. And so, when it comes to God's salvation, number one, it means deliverance. Number two, it means protection. And number three, prosperity. Prosperity. The antithesis of prosperity is poverty. 
Some folks don't like you teaching what I'm about to teach. But I'm going to teach you because it's right to teach. God don't want you poor. The antithesis or the opposite of prosperity is poverty. Now, will he allow you to go through poverty? Yes. But does he want you to stay there? No. Don't ever think God wants you to, you to be poor. Don't ever think God wants you, you to uh, be in lack. No. If that's what God wanted, Jesus never would have came. Preacher, how can you say Jesus never would have came? Because look why he came. John 10, 10. Jesus said, the thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come so you can have life and have it more abundant. One connotation of abundant life is prosperity. I said prosperity. Well, my family was poor. And so I guess I'm going to be poor too. See, that was Gideon's problem. The angel of the Lord was trying to tell Gideon that God was showing up to bless him. And see, Gideon was hiding behind the wine press because he was scared of, of his enemies. He didn't have no courage. Operating in fear. And, and, and so, when the angel of the Lord showed up, the angel of the Lord said, Gideon, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. And Gideon, Gideon looked at the angel and said, if, if he with me, why all this stuff happen? See, often we think God is not with us when we get to going through trials and tribulations. He allowed that stuff to happen, but that don't mean he's not with you. That does not mean he's not going to prosper you. Gideon, Gideon's mindset was so messed up to where uh, he talked about how poor his family was. And after he got talking about how poor his family was, then he got to talking about himself. He said, he said I'm the poorest one. He said, my daddy poor, my siblings poor. But ain't none of them, ain't none of them worse off as I am. Now he was, he was telling this to an angel that showed up to give him prosperity. And so the angel actually, actually in layman terms had to turn around and have revival on Gideon to get his mind set straightened out. And when, and when God finally got Gideon straightened out, he not only believed in the prosperity of God, but God blessed him mightily in every aspect of his life. The enemies he was afraid of, he started fighting them to the point to where he could take few and defeat many enemies. God does not want you poor. Even though you may be going through a period of poverty. You ain't going to stay there. Not if you know child of God. 
Y'all ain't saying much. Again, remember, Jesus said, I am come that you might have what? And have it what? Now, some of us, we're going to get that life. Now, if you, you just convinced you're going to be poor, go ahead and be poor, stay poor, if that's what, that's you. I ain't poor. I have been poor, but I don't want to be poor no more. You have been poor? Poor versus having, having is better. Yes, it is. So when God saves you, he's going to prosper you. Yeah. And his blessings makes you rich. Rich being productive in every aspect of your life. And he wants you to experience that. But you, you experience it by loving his salvation and depending on him to do it more so than anything else. But, but see, when you trust your, your job more than God, you don't love his salvation. You don't love the prosperity of God. When you rob God in tithes and offering, you don't love his salvation. When you love God's salvation, you're going to put him first. Lord Emerson, let me close this. L- listen to this. And so what he wanted, he, the psalmist here in Psalm 40 and 16, he wanted those who love the salvation of the Lord to start confessing. Look at the verse. You see it? Let's read it again. That latter part of Psalm 14 and 16. Ready? Read. Hold it right there. Say how? That, that, mean, that, that, that means if you're going to talk, you need talk right. But he wanted them to confess. Now, before we finish the other part of the verse, let me show you something. Go with me to Romans uh, chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10. Let me show you the, the importance of confession. Romans chapter 10. Y'all there? You see, let's, let's, let's look at verse 10. Let me read it with authority. Ready? Read. For with the Say to your neighbor, you, you got to talk salvation. You got to talk that you heal. Talk that good going to happen to you. You got to talk. Better is here and better is coming. You got to talk salvation. You got to talk it. Well, what's the need in saying it? Because your tongue causes things to happen. What you speak has effect on your situation. Confess unto what? 
Salvation. Confess unto what? Salvation. We need to practice that right now. T- t- just say to somebody, God, God going to save. God save. Finish it. God going to prosper even more so than I am right now. Even though I'm going through trials, God is protecting me right now. Even though trouble is on every hand, God is protecting me right now. You have to confess salvation. And you have to confess it despite what you see. You have to confess it. And, and Proverbs 18 21 says, death and in what? Or in what you say. You, you have, you have to talk. You, you have to talk before it happens. God, God gonna move for me. And, and sometimes you have to talk it for your kinfolk, talk it for your brothers and sisters. God gonna heal her. Yeah, I know she's going through it, but God gonna heal that girl. God gonna bring that girl out. But now, some of us, Lord, I hate to bring up stuff like that, but I gotta bring it up. Some of us always talking about the bad. If you talk bad, you're going to get bad. You reap what you sow. It ain't looking that good. Oh, God. See, that reason I don't like telling folk all my business. That reason I don't, I don't want everybody to know what I'm going through. Because some folks be like, yeah, pastor, he said, 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 said. And see, you don't, you don't want, you don't want to deal with folk who gonna be talking bad. You want folk who gonna be speaking salvation. I said, you want folk who gonna be speaking salvation. You want folk who gonna be speaking scripture like, uh, Luke 6 and 38. God gonna bless me good. Press. Shaken. And running. But now look what he says again here in in Psalm 40 and 16. Let them say continually, let the Lord be what? Let the Lord be what? He wanted them to make God big. To talk big about God. God, you're omnipotent. God, you're omniscient. God, you can do anything. Say, say. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Wanted them to, wanted them to make God big. Hallelujah to you, God. Can't nobody change things like you. Can't nobody fix it like you fix it. Can't nobody cause it to work it out like you work it out. We should magnify God to the point to where we, 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 we confess that He's bigger than our problems. Yeah, there's hurt in my body, but God bigger than what I'm going through. He's greater than what I'm going through. He has the power to turn this around swiftly. 
Let the Lord be magnified. Say continually. Make, make him large. See, because anytime you, you take a doctor's word over God's word, you're not magnifying God. Anytime you trust your job as your source instead of God, you ain't magnifying God. You ain't making him big. Anytime you make your little situation bigger than the power of God, you ain't trusting him. And he wanted them. So if you love his salvation, make him big. Confess. Magnify him. Start talking about how he bigger than what you're going through and how he going to turn it completely around for you. Yeah, you got a bad report, but start talking, talking God talk about how God, God is bigger than the report because he asked us whose report are we going to believe. And I'm just going to believe his report. I'm just going to believe with his stripes. I done already been here. I need you to help me. You going to help me? Tell at least two folks, you got to make God bigger than whatever it is you're going through. Because if you don't, that little mess you're going through going to consume you. You going through something that that about, uh, about this big, and you making it bigger than God. It ain't looking good. But what God? What what God saying about the situation? What does His word say about it? If I don't get two hundred by Thursday, such and such. See, you making that two hundred dollars just huge. You know, I'm just going to trust God not only to, to give me the two. I'm going to trust God to give me more because you know his word says he'll do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. Whatever you're going through right now, you got to make God bigger than what you're going through. You got to make him bigger than what you're going through. You, you got to quit looking at what your check can do. As if your check is your source. Does God want you to look at your check? Yeah. But does he want you to treat your check like it's greater than him? No. No. Why in the world would God say things like I'll supply your need? Ask and it shall be given. You have not because you have not. Why in the world... He, he tell you that he gonna do certain things. Is he just having a good little talk in the Bible? No, he mean what he say. But see, we have a problem in that we don't magnify him. We don't make, we don't make him bigger than what we go through. We have to make God bigger than our situation. 
you know, you know, I've been really going through it with this, with this mortgage, but God gonna pay this off. We in this season, better is here and better is coming. God gonna pay this off. He gonna pay it off. Cause God bigger than this. My business ain't been doing what I wanted to do, but God still gonna cause money to come my way. Because if he can put money in a fish mouth, I know he can put money in a can, a hat, a sock, a mattress. Say to your neighbor, you got to make God bigger than yourself or whatever you may be going through. I don't know how I'm going to come out of all this. You better make God bigger. You better be talking about God finna, God finna turn this thing completely around. Man, Job going through all kind of trouble, but, but, but Job was magnifying God. Job said, I know my Redeemer live. I know my Redeemer live. And, and when he said it, it wasn't long after that that God redeemed him. The Hebrew boys, they made God bigger than the furnace. Bigger than the king. King say, y'all gonna, y'all gonna bound? Or you gonna be cast? Hey look king. We said it once, but we're going to say it again. We, we are not going to bow. We're going to trust our God. Because our God can deliver us not only out of a furnace, but out of your hand, old king. Made the king look bad in front of folk. Made him look bad to the point to where the king got mad and said, Look, y'all make that furnace hotter. We finna put these boys in it. Threw them in the furnace, and, and when they hit the furnace, they started dancing. Started giving God the praise. They so moved God with their faith to where Jesus himself showed up in the furnace. And guess who saw it? The king. King like, didn't I put three in there? Well, I see a fourth man in there too. And he looks like the son of God. Say to your neighbor, you better make God bigger than what you're going through. So he can bring you out of your situation. You better make God bigger than what you got in your pocket. So he can open up the windows, pour you out a blessing you ain't got room to receive. You better make God bigger than your sickness so he can heal you with his stripes. Are you listening? Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.